0: Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Forward, by 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts.
3: Welcome to March's Forest Ramble podcast. It's been a funny old month at the city ground. I'm going to take you back in time a little while. So, so those of you who are old enough to remember, um, when Paul Hart was manager, Forest had a blistering season with a young team that was put together quite suddenly. And then in the last third of the season, they stuttered, they lost their way a little bit. And we ended up just about making it into the playoffs. Um, I'm joined by Baz, by the yeah. Maradon Midlands, and Stephen Topless. Um, Maradon the Midlands. To start off with you, we've just come away from a bad week, a defeat at home to Millwall, a heavy defeat at that, and a match where, frankly, we didn't deserve a point against Middlesbrough. Does this remind you of the Paul Hart years?
4: Um, a little bit, I suppose. It's it's it, that team was full of promise and it, it played some scintillating football and it was just, it, it ran out of legs, I suppose in the end. And and so um, this week has sort of reminded me of that in that sense that the last two performances, we've, we've looked a little bit lethargic. We looked like we've run out of a bit of energy um, and it's just, just, it's a slightly, slightly worrying now. Whereas we looked like a week ago, we were set for the playoffs without any worries. It's, it looks like it might turn into a sticky patch again and, uh, who might be struggling to stay in there at this rate. OK, Stephen, what's your take on things, bearing in mind that, you know, in
3: recent time, more recent times, we've had the two Billy Davis playoff seasons where Forrest had sticky patches, but actually they were relatively consistent. This season we've been relatively consistent, but are we losing form at the wrong time?
5: There, There is that worry, and um, I think we've been sort of relatively consistent but with some really kind of bad results thrown in, they're not just one nil close defeats. We've taken a few pastings now. When you look at Sheffield Wednesday and you, you look at Millwall and then you start factoring in the likes of bad defeats to Huddersfield, to Birmingham. You know, there's some re- there's been some real stinkers in there this season. Luckily, it's it's largely been offset by the good consistent form and the away form, which has been excellent on the whole. Okay. Um,
3: Baz, obviously we did a report on the Millwall match uh, on Friday night and not surprisingly, we had a fairly despondent air about us. Um, I mean, what was what was interesting about this week is that uh, it shows that actually the, the, the thinness of the squad is showing through because we've had to try and find new ways of playing um, and we haven't necessarily been able to compensate for the loss of uh, Sam Basso, which is something we've been saying for a couple of months now.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I think that the, the thinness of the squad, I mean, it's obviously been a deliberate choice by Sabri Lamushi to have a very, very small, tight-knit squad. I think that's coming back to bite us now. In that, yeah, I think every pretty much every player is looks a bit off the pace, and I'm wondering if they're all carrying injuries in some way.
3: Well, there was uh, something from uh, Paul Taylor in the Athletics saying, apparently, before the Middlesbrough match, only ten players trained, and none of them were the core of the first team uh, because people are carrying nooks and niggles.
2: Yeah, and I was saying the other day to someone, um, we've gone from being a one-man team based entirely around Lewis Graben to being a two-man team, but that's Lewis Graben and Sam Basso, and they're both injured. Okay. Um,
3: what do we learn about the uh, mentality of the squad? Because mentality is a word that Sabri likes to use. Married on the Midlands, do you think they're
4: suffering a bit at the moment? <laughs> um, A little bit. I, I for me, it's it's more to do with just the the way we play. Is nothing's really changed. We've we've been this way all all season. It it comes down to um we're really poor in possession a lot of the time. We just we simply can't pass the ball to one another. Um, for all their qualities, players like Joe Lolly, Lewis Graben, Ami Obi, they're, they're good players and they've got their 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 good points, but they just they simply can't pass the ball to each other they even ten yards. It is and it makes it so difficult. To kill a game off, um, to get that second goal when we're sort of one nil up, and uh, just to take the sting out of games sometimes, It's is is that plus the type of opposition we've been playing in the last few games as well. I think you see a common theme uh, against Millwall. We were up against uh, Smith at all Dreyer, who sort of bullied our centre halves. Same thing happened uh, against Middlesbrough, uh, and again when the other bad de- defeat was Sheffield Wednesday. Fletcher did a similar thing as well. So our, our, we've got some people who identified a weakness there where uh, Samba, the goalkeeper, uh, Warrell and Bigarito are great when they're playing against nice players, uh, say a Bamford or a Watkins, who are, aren't going to ruffle them up. but put some physical power against them and they do struggle. We've, we've conceded a lot of goals through Crosses recently. Um, Samba's sort of gone off form a bit where you wanted him to. He was so commanding against Cardiff. It was like a... And they're excellent, one of the best performances I've ever seen from a goalkeeper, he just came out and got everything and then against uh, Middlesbrough and, and Millwall, he seemed nervous to come out, he didn't to command his box at all and I think that sort of affects the team in a sense as well and I
3: mean one of the things I, I have noticed and I thought of uh, during the Millwall match is that we know when we're getting bullied because Tobias figueredo looks rattled that's a sign that that they're struggling because figueredo is usually quite quite steady, not spectacular, but quite steady. And it's happened just two or three times this season when he's looked rattled and and Millwall was one of those. He didn't really know. He kept battling away, but he didn't really know what to do with Smith.
4: I mean, that that first goal was a classic case in point because there's no way that should have gone through. It wasn't like an amazing, amazing move. It was a a cross where Watson should have kept somebody out. Um, The player lollied in. We were, job, job back. we were very slow at getting back and helping Watson out and then the cross it went through Figueroa and and for Smith to head it sort of a knee height it, it should never have happened he should have been booted well, away. The, quite
2: thing, the thing that got me about that first goal was we know that Smith's tall and he's going, he's going to have a height advantage but it wasn't even a high cross well the thing that I
3: noticed and Stephen I don't know if this is something that you can uh, comment on is that defensively um, Forest have been very strong defensively, but that's not been purely about the back four and Samba. Although they're a big part of it, it's also because when they get bodies in the box, um, we have conceded when there have been lots of bodies in the box. And Millwall, three times, loads of people in the box, but no one making the decisive move.
5: No, and it's it it was a real problem. You, you were watching that. That Millwall game, you were getting flashbacks to Sheffield Wednesday, where they just had men in the box and the ball was dropping to them, and they were scoring. And it was, you know, the game was being taken away from you in an in an instant. And it was it was the same kind of problem against Millwall. I mean, even the third goal, where it's a corner coming in and Smiths on the line, and the ball practically lands on his head and it's in. Same kind of problem. It's just the ball finding the attackers. So. I don't know if that's a problem where we're, just, we're not marking our men close enough or people are just looking at each other waiting for somebody else to take responsibility of the situation. Whatever it is, it is quite worrying because 36 games in, this sort of thing shouldn't be happening or you would hope it isn't.
4: I think, you would I hope think... that
5: the unit is there and that they're tight there.
4: Yeah, I think the tiredness aspect comes into that as well, where they maybe would have been sprinting back earlier on in the season. Um, maybe they're just finding it a bit of a struggle to, to have that um, energy level, just to keep keep on running and running and running. And that's and also, we, we can't forget we're missing San Bussau, and that just makes a massive San basau shaped hole in the middle of our team, where he would have just mocked up a lot of the problems and when he's not there, it, it's, it shows, it, it really does show, especially when you play either Semido or Yates, or even Silver to an extent. Though All three of them are more suited to going forwards. The defensive side of the game doesn't come to them naturally. Um, so it was a surprise to me when, when, when Bostock didn't play after coming on and doing well up at Middlesbrough, I thought, well, he's going to finally got to give me his chance now. And for him not to start again, I thought, I was I was worried when I saw that because he he provides a bit of a physical barrier and he can sort of break up that play and he can pass the ball. He can, so keeps it simple, finds a red shirt, and so I, was, I was disappointed not to see him starting last night.
3: Yeah, we were yeah. saying um, uh, in the Millwall match report, weren't we, that um, that in many ways, if 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 So's not playing, then Bostock would seem to be a more logical choice. Bearing in mind that Sabri has obviously decided he favours the four two three one formation, because Semedo and Yates are much better in a 4-1-4-1, playing, as suppose, as box-to-box number eights. Um, if you're playing 4-2-3-1, Silva can do that, but he's not very strong, and he's not massively defensively minded. Um, the thing that apparently was said, he, he said he'd never made a tackle before he came to, the, yeah. came to play in England. Um, and, uh, whereas Bostock is well suited to that, because like so, He's happy to receive the ball, turn and try and prompt forwards. Um, but also he's got the positional sense and the kind of knowledge and experience. Yeah. And and that's what, that's what yeah. we're lacking. You, yeah. lost, you yeah.
4: saw Semedo, he lacks that knowledge and experience. He, same get, he gets rattled, Semedo does. When, when we lose, same happened at Middlesbrough and um, same happened yesterday. When, when it was all going wrong, he looked like a young player who hadn't played many games and didn't know how to respond. <laughs> And it's, for me, it's the biggest, biggest shame of the season that, that Bostock has played so little. I think it would have, we would have been in a better position now if he'd come in when sa had been missing throughout the season. I think, I think we'd be better off in the table in points-wise.
2: One of the things that Millwall did yesterday as well was they put they, we were expecting them to sit back and what they did was they put a lot of pressure on Sumido and Watson because Watson looked rattled as well. I think it's not just Smith bullying Figueroa. It was that 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 whole central unit was being pushed and really bullied. And Bostock, when he came on, his physical presence did make a difference. As much as he was commanding the other players, telling them where to go and keeping them calm, but that was one of the differences that um, instead of pressing right up high onto the onto the back four, they started pressing those two central midfielders. So we couldn't control the game at all.
5: Yeah, that teams are. Teams are now looking and they can see how they can really get at us. And there's been a few examples of it already this season and, and Millwall was just the latest. So you have to give credit to Millwall. I think on the night they were very good and they executed their game plan very well. But it's another frustrating evening for Forrest because we've got to find a way of beating these teams and to stop ourselves being bullied or being out fought or out muscled out of games in the way that we have been.
4: Another another factor is that when we when we're at our best, we're playing against teams. who are trying to play football against us. Um, When we come up against, when we struggle, is when we play against teams who play exactly the same way as we do, in in a sense. Um, But they've just done it better. You think of Charlton, Millwall. um, They've just managed to sort of out out dogged us. Our our strong points are we're organised. We're strong defensively. We work hard. And that sometimes, in the last couple of games, I've just felt the other teams have just done it better than us. They wanted it more. They were getting more tackles in. Um, they were winning the 50/50s. And when when you haven't got that little bit of quality to sort of play some football around these teams, it, it becomes a bit of a lottery. And you can sort of lose the games. Um, as as I've noticed it in the Charlton game and again Middlesbrough and, and last night. But having said that, Forest went away to Cardiff and did the good stuff incredibly well. So where's the logic there? I don't know. That's the, well, well, after the Cardiff game, I was being very confident, thinking, wow, we've re-, they, they thought like the players had switched, a switch had gone mentally in them, where they thought, yes, we're going to do this, we're going to get promotion. And they commanded it so well, that game. It's just such a mystery why, why it's fallen apart in the last couple of games so badly.
5: And despite all that, uh, the next game away is Sheffield Wednesday, and I feel quite confident that Forrest can go there and get a result. Despite everything that's going on, I can I look at the, the game after this recording and say, you know what, Forrest can go there and win. Which is but, it's a very weird feeling to have, given the kind of, especially off the back of that Millwall performance, but it just shows you really how well they are set up away from home and that, that plan that they've got works so well away to teams in this league that it's almost carrying them to a degree to, into the playoffs.
3: Well, once again, so uh, once again, we remind ourselves that Forest have only won once this season where they've had more possession, and that was against Luton, which is the nearest thing to a gimme you're going to get in this division. Um, so, away from home, it it is the way it works, isn't it? You tend to have less possession, but if you sit in and are dogged, then you can do that. Um, at home, I mean, ironically, the trouble was that Forrest tried to play like the away team
4: against Millwall and Millwall came at us. Yeah, I think where, where we struggled as well was with, with pace. They, they came at us really quickly. Um, also against Middlesbrough, who was, I can't remember, was it Colson, the guy's name? Yeah. He he really caused us problems. There was a, a Middlesbrough team full of sort of young players who were running at us and that, that caused us problems. They, they, they didn't really know how to cope with that.
2: One thing we noticed, uh, we mentioned yesterday during the second half against Millwall, was that we we were playing our Plan B, which is one of the first times I've seen us do that. Which was um, with um, with Bostock coming on and Carvalho, we actually ended up passing the ball and looking for possession rather than trying to squander it. It was um, a change of direction for us a little bit. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? So the the,
3: with Carvalho in the team, we can't play four one four one, but also I say in the last six weeks or so, Sabri's favoured four, two, three, one. So we have to play four, two, three, one with Carvalho in the team. So and and Yates can't do the second defensive midfielder role particularly well. Whereas Bostock is most suited to that, but it means we have to have a different style of play. So formation wise and tactics-wise, it was the, the first time we've seen Forest play in a noticeably different way this season. Um, now, the trouble is is that Bostock's only come on when we're already behind and chasing the match paradigm the midlands you're you know you've mentioned several times not only in this podcast but also in previous weeks about how you you know you think that Bostock has got something to offer, and it seems as though he had a, a not amazing match against Wigan away earlier in the season and he's kind of almost been frozen out as a result.
4: is why well, he's completely bombed out and I just say it's, it's almost the case. I, I, I mean, from the outside, you think there must have been some sort of argument or something for him to be treated. So because he didn't even get on that in the match against Chelsea, where he played all the youngsters, and I, when that happened, I was sure he was going to leave in January. I thought there's no way back for him now. So, but I mean, I've not heard anything. If there has been an argument or anything, it, I think it might just be that sad decided these are my players, and I'm going to stick to it. And it's it's six of one half dozen the other because. In one sense, it's it's bred that team spirit, that togetherness, and that sort of way of playing, that tightness and that organisation. I think it might be, as as Baz mentioned earlier, hurting us now in terms of our energy levels as being sat, and um, we can't play in that same intensity again at, the, at this time of the season. Where if we maybe kept him involved more, maybe if we kept Adoma in, involved more, kept them fresher, just have, had got, got them playing a few more games earlier on the season, maybe. Part of the squad it might just be a bit fresher now. And Stephen, um, on that, you know, on that note, though, when
3: Sabri has changed the team and made changes, um, then Forrest have invariably not won, and he's taken right pelters from well everyone. Um, so is that a case of you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't?
5: Yeah, there's there's definitely a bit of that because when other players have come into the team, most notably Millwall away. Uh, sorry Wigan away Charlton at home Um, and there's been a couple of other instances where he's, he's rotated quite a few players but on those occasions the players that have come in have not performed for one reason or another now I don't know if that's down to rustiness because they haven't been part of the the core 11 if you like and playing week in week out regularly or if they're just not up to the task and actually outside of our first 11 the squad as a whole isn't quite as good as we think it is and perhaps isn't quite as good as our position in the league would suggest.
3: Although arguably the fact that Carvalho and Bostock have done well in their cameo appearances in the last two matches uh, suggests that actually they are raring to go and they're wanting to fight for their place in the team and they have got the ability but the problem with Carvalho against Millwall was that he was trying to do his stuff but every pass was about 2 feet out because the rest of the team looked leggy and he he was doing the same passes he would do when he's on form and fit but the Amiobis and Lollies weren't able to make the most of them
5: I no think... and that that was um, yeah no i mean that was a frustration but it was good to see Carvalho back in the team and actually looking you know looking a bit more like the player that we saw last season mm-hmm. with but he's, obviously, his brain, like his brain, has just got going again in terms of how he's wanted to find passes, how he's wanted to play. He looks, he looks like he's gained a bit of confidence again, and that's a real positive. And also, just coming back to Bostock, the last two appearances, he, he looks like he really does have something to offer, and hopefully, he's going to get a bit more game time now, and we'll we'll see him improve off the back of that. Because I I do think, and I agree, he he could well be an asset in the last couple of games of the season somebody who's not been in the team all that much, but he can come in hopefully fresh, you know, and make a real difference.
3: And Baz, one of the things that's noticeable as well is that this is the first time, all season really, it's not the first time we've we've sort of struggled a couple of matches in a row results-wise, but it's the first time where we've really, really looked as if the players didn't really have anything to give And crucially as well, after the Millwall match, Sabri said um, for the first time he mentioned about fatigue and tiredness. And fair play to him. He's always been honest and he's never hidden behind injuries and fatigue. But what he said was, um, congratulations to Millwall. Physically, it's a big impact from them and we suffered a lot. Mentally, when you are physically down, you need to play more simple. It was the wrong performance and it's a bad moment. So he's talking about the physical toll of playing a long season in the championship. Is that significant? That Sabri, after you know, after so long this season of not you know just saying the mentality's right and the players are working hard, he's now saying actually we're a bit knackered.
2: Yeah, and um, in the radio interview as well, he said something about the players hitting their limit, which um, they, they picked up on on the interview as well, which was quite a worrying thing to admit. He's he was basically saying. These players are—they can't go any further than, than they are at the moment. Well, if they're not training, then <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that—that's—that's that's almost an indictment of the small squad policy to some extent. Because, do you think um, that's a
3: sign that Sabri is actually—he's mentioned a few times about how the English Championship is a crazy season, just because the amount of games you have to play. Mm-hmm. Stephen, do you think that? this is actually, for all he's been saying it, now he's really realising it.
5: Yes, I think um, while I think he's adapted to Championship Football very well, it's probably um, been a bit lost on him actually just quite how intense it is and that maybe is reflected in the rotations that he's made at times this season which have led to defeats Um, and I was hoping especially after Cholton, that he would have learned his lesson and I think on the whole, he, he has. But he's also got to be looking at these teams like a Millwall, like uh, Sheffield Wednesday, and thinking, OK, these teams can bully us. And they have bullied us quite a few times now. So Sabri has been very reactive when he's needed to be. And I think he's been very good with that, whether that's tactics, substitutions, whenever you know he's come up against some adversity, he's normally found a way of, of dealing with that and and coming through it so i would hope and i would trust him to you know stamp out this sort of this bad habit we've got against these kind of robust teams and and find a way for us to actually you know to keep them at arm's length and event and and ultimately beat them thanks for listening to the forest ramble podcast Please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast provider, as this helps other forest
3: supporters find our content. We're just going to take a break from uh, the rest of the podcast to have a chat with our sketch writer, Jeremy. Um, Jeremy Davis, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, you're here in your capacity as our as our long distance armchair forest fan. Um, so, um, obviously, we've you've, we've heard your sketches throughout the throughout the season, but to have a chat with you, what's your perspective been on how this season has gone for Forest?
1: Uh, hi, Rich. Thanks for having me on. It's a great pleasure to be here in person, so to speak. Um, well, to be honest, I had not set my sights on automatic promotion at the start of the season, so where we are is uh, feels pretty good to me. I mean, frankly, holding on to a manager for the duration of a season feels like an achievement.
3: There's still time.
1: <laughs> it, well, true. Yeah, I, I, I don't count any chickens. Um, but... Yeah, I. It felt like last year there was a kind of glass ceiling at the seventh place, and they kept sort of getting very close to the playoffs zone, never quite getting into it. Uh, And this season, it felt like that glass ceiling has been raised to second place, Uh, which is fine because I I think playoffs uh, it'll it'll uh, extend the season, Uh, so uh, add add in a a bit of extra excitement for us all, Um, potentially a day out at Wembley. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you know. Right, leaving last night's game aside, and I've, I've got a theory about that, which I'll come back to. It's been you know fairly consistent. I gather it's only one win in the last uh, seven games, which was the Leeds game. And I think you often see, don't you, a, a a bit of a negative reaction once you've had a result like that because you put so much into performance. Uh, in such a big game. And then there there's a, seems, to, seems to have been a bit of a come down.
3: Well, I mean, the main thing that we've discussed uh, elsewhere is that uh, I think the players are a bit knackered, to be honest. So, uh, and, and understandably so. So from where you're sat, um, I mean, I'll come on to what your highlights of the season have been so far. But, I mean, the Millwall match was, along with Sheffield Wednesday, almost certainly the low light. Uh, yeah, what, what have you got to say about, you know, the things that haven't gone so well? Well last
1: night I, I my my theory about last night and i I, I take on board the point about tiredness, but I, I think um I think the players were just confused by the fact they were playing Matt Smith, and they all thought they were auditioning for a part in Doctor Who
3: and then what about the positives? what's been your favorite moment um or moments of the season so far?
1: I just think some of the goals uh I remember back I think it was Lewis Graben's goal against Fulham. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just beautifully worked yeah. there seem to have been a lot of great individual goals uh, in in the in the past few seasons but this season has seen um you know some some great team football some great team goals are being scored uh, a lot more coherent um teamwork sort of Aligning more to the traditions of the club, who's uh, always certainly from from my early days as a, as a fan back in the nineties, been associated with the kind of you know interpassing, close passing, um, keeping the ball on the ground. Um, if, if if God had meant to play football in the clouds and all of that sort of all the fluffyisms, so I just enjoyed watching good football and good goals.
3: Okay, well let's talk about the manager. Um... Sabri Lamouchi, um, how do we've had so many managers down the years? How do you rate him in terms of not just what he's doing with the club, but personality-wise?
1: You know, at, at championship level, it's it's a league that's about no nonsense, isn't it? Um, not too many airs and graces, and I think that, uh, that, that 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 Sabri certainly comes across as somebody that's got his feet on the ground, knows what he wants, and 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 he's capable of getting the best out of the players. Even the club
3: have released some figures, which may give an indication as to why the club have taken the direction they have with regard to transfers in January.
5: Yeah, so the the most recent accounts uh, from the period of April twenty eighteen to May twenty nineteen have been released, um, and Forest have reported a pre tax operating loss of twenty five million. Now. On the face of it, the, the the kind of obvious source of that would be the transfer spend, which really kind of kicked in when talk Karanka was in charge. So the summer of 2018, with a number of players coming in, um, most notably Carvalho. Uh, while we haven't paid the full £13 million fee, uh, it's been chunks and in instalments. So you've got the... the the larger transfer fees, plus the wages of these new players that are being brought in, you've then also, with it running up to May 2019, factor in the fact that uh, Karenka left the club, and then a new manager in Martin O'Neill was brought in. So it's been a combination of, uh, of those those player outlays and even manager outlays, which have probably led Forest to be in the position that they're in now. I don't think it's anything to necessarily worry about. From what I understand, they are within the sort of FFP regulations. Um, The permitted level of losses is £39 over three years. But it also just shows you where we perhaps need to exercise some caution in terms of how much we spend and the money we invest in the team and and wages, whether that's player transfers and, and wages on top.
3: Okay, And if we think about it in terms of, um, you know, one of the ways to mitigate losses is to have more money coming in. And of course, the club are about to they've been given the go ahead to build uh, the new uh, Peter Taylor stand, which will obviously increase capacity. And with more punters coming through the door, there's more people buying beers and pies and all of those kinds of things. Um, Commercial revenue, you know, things like every time there's a new shirt sponsor, they keep saying it's the biggest shirt sponsorship deal and so on. Um, So there's more money coming in. Ultimately, though, the best way to make money if you're a championship club is to go up to the Premier League. So do you think that it's indicative that with Karanka at the helm, they gave him lots of money, including €15 million for Carvalho, to say, get us up because we need to get a return on this
5: investment? Yes, I think think that is the case. And we know that Evangelos Maranakis is... Um, a very sort of ambitious man. He wants the club to be successful. And to be fair, the investment that he's put in shows that he's he's prepared to back managers and back the club. Um, and it was obviously not working out with Karanka. And they felt whether that was Maranakis solely or himself and his sort of board and the wider management team of the club, they felt that Karanka had to move on in order for Forrest to progress. Um, um Sabri came in in the summer of 2019 and, you know, he's taken the team on and they, they're in a position there where they could potentially be promoted at the end of the season. So um, in that sense, it, you know, that 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 move, that change has worked out. Um, the The other thing to, to factor in there, Drew, you were talking about with the stadium. That stadium development is going to bring more punters through the door every home game, but it's also going to give Forrest commercial opportunities as well it's going to give they're going to have facilities to basically have the city ground open all week making money and bringing businesses and bringing new faces through the door who can put money into the club in the same way that just down the road Derby and Leicester with their newer facilities have been able to do now for for quite a few years okay Baz if we bring this back to
3: matters which are on the pitch, we were talking uh, before the Millwall match about, you know, January transfer window. On the whole, I think it's fair to say that we've been quite underwhelmed by the business uh, that Forrest did. Um, Guy Bong came in uh, with a good reputation, had one of the worst debuts I've ever seen <laughs> of a player, certainly in the last 10 years, um, and hasn't been seen near the first team since. Um, Nuno Da Costa is injured so we have no idea if he's any good or not Tyler Walker we paid some good money for and he's come on and made one or two cameos where he's varied from being you know looking good to being entirely sidelined um, and not getting a touch and then of course there's Adama Diakabi, um where the words that you used were the fans have already made up their minds about him but let's also co- Bring it back to something else that you said in this conversation we had, which is that January is a nightmare time to try and bring in good players anyway
2: I, th- I think the thing with um, dear is an interesting one. I think dear Carby is one that's been brought, that's been bought in for the future um he's, he's that sort of Sabri style of player very very pacey uh, very very direct runs with the ball kind of player um, but He's not. He, he hasn't necessarily looked ready and um, anything like that. Whereas De Costa is a perfect example of why maybe the, the, the players you want aren't available in January because if they're, especially if it's a striker, because if they're any good, they're going to stay in the side. And if they're injured, then it's going to take them or if they're not match fit. It's going to take them time to get up to speed, so you can't rely on them straight away. But Maradon the Midlands
3: is that an argument as to why Forest should have maybe? splashed out a couple million more and signed Lyle Taylor or tried to sign Lyle Taylor?
4: No, not really. I think the finances of the Lyle Taylor deal would have been very difficult because he's going to run out, running his contract out at the end of the season. He'll want really big money and he'll think to himself, I can get a move to the Premier League. So, And also, I think I heard Charleston wanted uh, around £3 million for him. So, I think that just didn't make any sense that financially at all that that deal for somebody who's only played a few months in the championship, not even a few months, he's been injured most of the season. With his injury record, the fact that he might be off to the African Cup of Nations because uh, of his age and the wages, it just made no sense financially. And that, and that every other club made the same decision. though these players were linked to all the him, Murray. Um, who else were we linked to in, in, the, in January? Everyone. Everybody. <laughs> the, 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 all the club decided eventually that the, none of the deals made financial sense because they were linked to this club, that club. And he, he ended up staying there. Um, it is We have to have a responsible hat on when we're, when we're running a club. Um, but Carby I'll disagree slightly with Baz. So I don't think he is one for the future. He, the guy can't play football. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's quick. And he's big, and that's it. But I've not seen him have one good touch of the football in sort of half a dozen appearances he's played. He just, it, it hits him, and it goes off in a completely opposite direction. Well, you know what that is? In my mind, that's a mark of a player who's coming out of the worst
3: year of his career and has no confidence. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad player, and it doesn't necessarily mean he's a good player. We don't know yet. But what I would say is that it seems a very odd decision that we let Adoma go and brought Deer Carby in. Adoma, who you know what you're going to get with him, you know that right, he's not as pacey as he was anymore, but he's got good skill, he's got good experience and know-how. And, uh, and Dear Carby was very much an unknown quantity, lots and lots of pace, but he hasn't got the touch. So it seems like an odd trade, Stephen.
5: It does, yeah. You start to look at these games now and you think, actually, maybe Adoma with his experience would have been an asset. Even if he wasn't starting, just somebody who you can bring on with 20 minutes to go to just close out the game and just get the ball in the corners. And, yeah, just that that experience might have just been... We probably didn't appreciate it at the time, but that experience for the running might have really um, just added something to the team, which... We, we don't have with Diokarbi because he's not as proven a player uh, and certainly doesn't have the experience that Adoma does.
2: There's part of it as well which goes back to the style of play thing, which is the um, if we've got Carvalho in the side and we've got Bostock and we've got Adoma in the side who, who doesn't have that, that turn of pace anymore, but he's got that experience and that calmness. So we've got a slightly different mentality in the centre of the side, then, you know, like the heart of the side and not having Adoma sort of r- removes part of that away as well because Carby isn't calm he's, he's a head down and run with it
3: mm. I mean also with regard to the transfer window I mean going back to John Bostock we're all expecting him to move on the other player who were expecting to move on was Murich. and and he's not because it would have cost Forrest more money to get rid than it would have done to keep him.
5: yeah and that's just an example of The the sort of transfer deal that we did in the summer, we bought him Bryce Sambo and he's gone on to be on on the whole excellent and taken that number one jersey and made it his own. Whereas we probably expected Murich with his potential and with his kind of reputation as a, a very good young goalkeeper to come in and be the first choice. But it's just how it happens. I mean, it's... It's, he's he's, not he's not more suited fault. to international football than he is to championship football, it seems. So, <laughs> it might be right, yeah. <laughs>
1: This is Brew Crime, a craft beer
5: and true crime podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Beck. And I'm Nina. And we're your hosts. We pair a true crime story with a craft beer that Nina will probably hate. Yeah, probably.
4: <laughs>
3: Whatever. You can find our show on all your favorite podcast apps. And if you can't find it, contact us and we'll try
5: and change that.
4: We can be found at brewcrime.com or on all social media platforms at Brewcrime. As well, you can find us on our Facebook group at Brewcrime the Group.
5: Join us
2: as we discuss the horrible crimes that surround us and try not to giggle.
3: Since our last podcast, we started off with two pretty good results sandwiching um, a pretty poor match. So we had the match against Leeds. Now, this has been discussed um, in, in great detail at the time and since. Um, but what was interesting is that Ben Watson, um, I've not read the article, but apparently he did say um, Baz, that actually maybe the players overreacted slightly and got carried away themselves after the Leeds victory. Uh, what's your take on this?
2: Well, um, as I live in Leeds, I've had to live with the the fallout from this one. <laughs> and um, um, the, the Leeds fans themselves say that we were the best side they've seen all season. We're the only side that's made them look ordinary. So, yeah, from our point of view, I can understand why our players got over got a bit overwhelmed with it and, and took took it to heart a bit more than anything else as well because obviously to some extent Leeds played into our hands in that game as as I've said before but um I think it was an absolutely fantastic result and yeah I can see why Watson would say that because it's kind of made a shadow over the rest of the season now yeah, to, to and not that- since
3: Maradon, the Midlands, you know, we, we did our, our immediate aftermath match report uh, where we were obviously delighted with the game and the result. But um, we also knew that, you know what, the players are going to be knackered after that. So Sabri rested two or three players and he had two or three players who had overexerted themselves. And, uh, you know, the front, the front players, um, Graben and Amiobi and, you know, people who were out because they're carrying those injuries. Um so we paid the
4: price against Charlton, didn't we? We did. I, I didn't have a problem with him making those changes because when when you looked at Cash and Ribeiro at the end of the Leeds game, even the last 15 minutes of the Leeds game, they were out on their feet. They were they had to do so much running against Leeds. I mean, for all, it was a great victory for us. Le- Leeds could easily have a draw or even won it. They were, I mean, you don't appreciate it on TV, but when you see them live, they are so quick and the football is so exciting. And they kept on coming and coming and coming in that second half. And our players ran their socks off in that second half. Um, so I had no problem with that change. Cause I'm sure he would have had advice from the sports science department. They have sort of plenty of stats now about players being in the red zone, where if they play, there's a higher risk of injury. So I had no problem with it. I think the the reaction was a bit of an overreaction from some fans after the Charlton game, where... We only did we just lost one nil and the same problems that we've had all season. But we were pretty bad. We were pretty bad, but we have been at home for most of the season. It wasn't necessarily down to so just those changes. Um but yeah it's what was the question? Sorry. Well that, well, that
3: thing about the players kind of running out of legs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess the team selection, if not the results and not the performance, but the team selection against Charlton was vindicated by the fact that Forrest managed to battle back to get that point at West Brom at the end of the very same week.
4: Yeah, and they they gave absolutely everything in that game as well. And I've just, just watching the last couple of games, just talking about tracking back last night. It wasn't to the same level as it was against Leeds or West Brom. I think that's natural in one sense because if you're playing in the big, in big games against in front of the big crowds in front of the top two teams. You raise your game. So the players would have raised their game and done that a little bit extra, Put put gone into those 50-50s a bit harder. And the levels have dropped since those games. Um, and you just can't do that in the Championship. You just get punished. The level is so similar between the top and the bottom. You drop your level a little bit, you're going to get punished. And um, Baz, we're saying against Millwall that Matty
3: Cash had what we thought was his weakest game all season because he was looking leggy and Yuri Rivera on the other side, he was still doing the going forward stuff really well, but defensively, both of them, they just lapped that, that, that sort of half a yard, didn't they? In terms of both actual physical prowess, but also that anticipation. And, and, and that's what Millwall sought to exploit.
2: Absolutely, uh, to, to, to some extent, we we basically had gaps down the flanks because those both of them were struggling to get back in time. out. I, I mean, not that they weren't running hard and trying, but they 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 were like, as they say, half a yard off the pace a little bit. Um, I think, and, and Cash in particular was absolutely devastated at the final whistle on the Millwall game.
3: Um, let's move on because then we had the nil-nil against QPR, which you know, it's a, it's a result that doesn't really tell the story because Forrest were, were okay in that match. Um, There's the controversial ball blowing off the corner spot uh, moment, but I say controversial, it's controversial in the sense that so uh, the second tier podcast made the point that if it's not supposed to be allowed when the ball is moving, if the ball had been headed over, it would have been a goal kick. But because the ball went in, they had to retake the corner. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
3: So in that sense, I can understand why people had an issue. But ultimately, the ball moved. Therefore, it's correct to chalk it off. Um, I don't know what
2: the stats are, but it's also worth pointing out that that was probably what I can remember. That was our only real chance of the game. So it's not like we were peppering them with with chances. We we, we weren't outstanding in that game and, and that... Um, so that the, the reason it was such an important thing that the ball moved like that and that it got struck off was because we didn't look like we were that likely to score.
1: Mm.
3: Um, I mean, interestingly, the other thing that you and I were joking about how QPR have turned into exactly the kind of team you'd expect under Mark Warburton, but they didn't put in a Warburton-like performance against Forrest because they actually looked defensively relatively solid and so on.
2: Well, what they what they set out to do was basically play two banks of four in front of the, their in front of their back line, and so they started off relatively silky. This is the Warburton bit. They started off relatively silky in the way they played, and then they just compressed and compressed and got really spiky and irritable towards the end of the game. So, yeah, perfect representation of Mark Warburton.
3: Okay, um, we've already discussed the uh, the Cardiff match a little bit. I mean, Maradon the Midlands. Let's just say that that was a really good example of a, a fine away performance against a, a reasonable Cardiff aren't great but they're a reasonable Championship team. But so to go away at night time and, and do that kind of performance was great. But maybe
4: we've paid the price. A li- since. Yeah, a little bit. We we completely controlled that game from start to finish, and um, we didn't get bullied by them. Um, we were tough and we were strong. It was a, it was a classic what we now call a classic Forest performance from this season. Uh where we didn't create too many chances but we took took one where we had to. Um and it, it but we were in control. It never looked like we were gonna gonna concede in that game. As I said before, Samba was brilliant in goal. He was coming out for everything. He was he was bossing it and just it's just it's such a mystery why it's fallen off. So so much for him because he's a goalkeeper he's not running around so much so I, I don't know why why his, his performance levels have dropped in the last couple of games so much well there is something I want to
3: talk about with Brees Samba um, as at the Millwall match you and I were sort of saying I wonder how much Samba gets fined for every yellow card he gets because there was another fabulous example of a totally un- right so sometimes he's getting books for time wasting and you kind of There's two sides to that argument, isn't there? Because we've seen loads and loads of keepers time-wasting in the first half at the city ground and not get booked. So it seems that Samba attracts those bookings. But that brings us back to, you look at the booking against Millwall, which was entirely unnecessary. Yeah, Matt Smith should have gone off at the nearest side of the pitch, but for Samba to run 30 yards, get in his face, get in the rest space, and then not let it go after he'd had the yellow card... No, to to Laurel told
2: him to piss off as well.
3: Yeah, and it suggests to me that Samba is irritating refs, um, and I, I mean, I really hope he's getting fined for these yellow cards because that is a level of indiscipline which is amusing when you're winning, but could be an absolute liability when we're up against it.
2: Part of it as well, um, I hate to say it, but that part of the reason we love him is because of his personality. He's, he is that big personality. He does fly off the handle. He, he lets the, the emotion of the occasion get to him. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. Though. Um, is that a problem? I think it's going to be. <laughs> <Pretty good. laughs> yeah, if, we, yeah. if he ends up missing a game and we're in the playoffs because of his bookings, then yes, it's going to be a big problem.
4: I think, I think he's been on the verge of getting sent off once or twice this season. I yeah. think there's, there have been occasions where you sort of just got your fingers crossed. That he doesn't do any more time wasting because he, he's been very close once or twice. Um, I mean, is that something
3: that you think that the management are kind of quite tolerant of him being on that edge um, as long as he as long as he kind of holds it in, Sabri?
4: Surely doesn't want Samba to be doing that at the moment, so we're up against it, does he? I, I don't think he minds until he gets sent off. I don't think he's going to stop him from doing it because I, I think the the personality sort of exudes confidence, and that that sort of helps the team more than it hinders it at the moment. It's it's more. To say, I mean, I don't mind sort of the getting into people's faces it's, the, it's, it's when he only gets books with time wasting he's just got to be a bit clever about those sort of things well, and when, when when he's in book for it and then still continue to time waste that's that's where he's really treading a dangerous line that's where he has to be really careful
3: yeah but I say we've seen loads of keepers come to the city ground and time waste just as badly and, and not even get t- t- talked to by the ref surely
2: but again yeah, that's but, the personality thing Is he is winding the refs up so maybe they know to watch for him now
3: yeah maybe um, and then lastly uh, for, to, for this for this month um just want to touch upon a couple of things so we talked about Lamushi, um in his interviews and how he's been very protective of the players but been honest as well and that's something that is refreshing in this day and age. What was also interesting is that in the last month or so, Forest have been quite spiky on social media as well as a club um, now of the Midlands, I know you're not particularly a fan of social media. Um, what do you think about, is that an acceptable way for the club to be behaving?
4: I'm slightly torn by it because some of the things that they were saying were funny. And I thought, there's a part of me who says, well, it's just a football club. But yeah, let them be funny. Let them have a bit of fun. And there's another part of me think, well, it's the official club Twitter account. Maybe they shouldn't be getting involved with this. And it's just, it's not necessarily even the initial... Comments. It's just the way it sort of just descends, in people, thousands of people around the country, is coming up with just horrible, negative comments. It just really spirals into a, a well of negativity and pettiness and weird phrases which I don't understand, <laughs> like dab, dab this, and people pinching salt. I don't even I, know. I, I, a, I don't know what that even means. If it's an insult or if it's a compliment, but it's, it just, I don't. Okay, boomer. All right. So,
3: (laughs) so, 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 I mean, you know, you're somebody who uses social media in your in your day to day life, uh, in your working life, as well as your your personal life. um, And you're somebody who, you know, has engaged a lot with a lot of different types of people on social media Uh, from an official club point of view. uh, What do you think about this?
2: I think the club have to be careful because. It is the official representation of the club. And it, it's, a, it's, it's basically saying, this is what we stand for. This is the kind of people we are. And, and Forest have this reputation, amongst other football fans, of being good to watch, like a, a friendly, nice place to go. And they, they could be damaging that. And they might be, they want to damage that. They want to be known as like rugged and, and whatever and like, no one likes us, we don't care. Sort of thing. Maybe that's where they want to go, take things. But if that's if that's what they want to do, then they need to be they need to be sure and own it. Because if they don't want, if they want to keep the good reputation that we have, and if we as fans want to keep that good reputation that we have, then they they need to be quite careful with how they represent themselves. Well, you know what? There's a a
3: really good um, piece about it Um, again on the Athletic um, where. It seems as though it's been quite a deliberate decision. It's something that's actually been backed by the club. So it's not just that they've employed a social media manager who's gone rogue. Mm
5: -hmm.
2: Um,
3: So last year, Leeds United put on their Twitter feed, Kamal Roof's late equaliser hands LUFC a valuable point against Forrest. (laughs) And Forrest noted that. Um, Mm -hmm. After the Dwight Gale thing, uh, the the dive there, um, the way that West Brom did that so it's not a surprise in that sense that they chose the West Brom match to be the one where they started giving something back um now there's a few ones which were as Maradon the Midland says a bit salty so the one I'm looking at here Forrest um saying kicks all over the park but put a great shift and, and talking about Yuri Rivero. the one that I liked and I thought that was really clever and to be honest I'd have just done this and left it there was when they said, uh, did the one saying, uh, Referee Keith Stroud is furious as he's forced to book. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Because that was spontaneous and it was witty. And to a certain extent, it's that thing of like, okay, now leave it. It's just like with Samba, you know, it's great to show that bit of personality, but you've got to know when to let it go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's got to be, yeah, it's got, it's, they're, they're treading a very fine line with it. Um, and it's it's one thing for Leeds United to do that sort of thing because they have that mentality. The fans have that mentality of that that um, it's us against the world sort of thing. But we've never been like that. So by changing our representation, it is quite a big step in some ways. Although well, maybe okay. too much into it.
3: Um, maybe we maybe we are. I mean, ultimately, I guess the thing is, it'll look justified if Forest end up doing well overall this season. Let's go back to where we started. Um, Back in 2000 and uh, was it 2003, 2004, Forest um, were a playoff team who were kind of tailing off slightly in that final culture of the season. We're at the business end of the season. Uh, Bows, do you think we will make the playoffs?
2: I think we'll make the playoffs. I think, unfortunately, we might be one, the, the side that makes the playoffs on a, on a dip, um, and which obviously isn't necessarily what you want as you go into the playoffs.
3: OK, and do you think that if we make the playoffs, that's still a really good return on the season?
2: If you'd asked at the start of the season, I'd have said yes because Sabri Lamusi was a complete unknown to us. If you're asking me now, I'd say that'd be quite disappointing because we've been so close.
3: Yeah, and as always, it's the hope that kills you, as we say every month. Married on the Midlands, same questions to you.
4: Yeah, I think we'll make the playoffs. Uh, I think we we'll probably need another three or four wins um, to absolutely guarantee it. And I, I don't see any of the teams below outside the players at the moment being capable of sort of putting a run of six or seven wins together Um, where I definitely would have taken that at the start of the season. Um, Once we're in there, I don't know how well we'll do. I'm not sure if if our football is going to be suited to winning a two-legged tie. I don't know if we'll be able to score enough goals, but I think it's the reason we will all feel disappointed is because we've been so good against the top teams, but that's down to the way we play. And it's given us a slightly a a false sense of how good we are. We can do a job on those top teams, but we haven't necessarily got the quality of uh, footballing ability to break down the other teams. So I think playoffs is a fair, fair reflection of where we are. Okay. And
3: again, the second tier podcast, they, they said that actually they think that we would be quite a good playoff team because we do do well against the top teams. Um, If we, don't go up this season because we've fallen away. Actually, are we, in some ways, a reflection of Leeds under Bielsa, whereby they fell away and lost their momentum in that last part of the season last year? But this year, they've found ways to cope, even though they've probably got a weaker squad this year. Baz, what do you think?
2: I think there there is some of that. It's, again, it, it comes back down to the small squad and the physicality. Again, what um, Sabri said last night, they're the hitting the limits, physical limits or whatever. There is that kind of thing of, yeah, maybe this he's taken it as far as he can do without the full preparation. Because remember, he didn't—he didn't even have the full pre preseason when it was a little bit shorter. So maybe getting that extra bit of preparation, having a season of building the, the mentality that he wants, will be the thing that takes him over the edge next next season. We hope.
3: Okay. Now, interestingly, uh, so a couple of things to note with fixtures. Firstly, we've actually got a good week until the next match against Sheffield Wednesday. So hopefully that will give the players a bit of rest and a bit of time to kind of lick their wounds, I hope. Um, Secondly, although the rest of March is looking a bit dodgy fixture-wise in terms of we've got home matches against Huddersfield and we've got the match against Sheffield Wednesday, but in the last month of the season, we've got the grudge match against Derby, but we've also got Fulham, Preston, Swansea, all of whom are teams... That you look at those and you think,
4: well, Forrest could do a job on them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be a lot more confident playing against Fulham than I would be against Huddersfield, which is a, which is a crazy situation to find ourselves in. But football's a crazy game. Uh, thank you very much to Baz, to Marathon the
3: Midlands, to Stephen, and to Jeremy Davis. Thank you so much for joining us, listener. We'll be back with mini match reports and we'll be back uh, at the start of April to see how things are looking. Uh, all the best in the meantime.